Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. It is so very good to see you here. We don't have a full audience, but we have a good audience. A lot of visitors, a lot of visitors out there online, too, and we're glad that you're there. Thank you for joining us. We're studying in the book of Nehemiah. Very exciting story. Sometimes we think that just by reading a text, we understand everything, but we don't. We have to know backgrounds. And I'm going to keep emphasizing that. Dateline, Susa in Persia. 444 B.C. Nehemiah, a servant of the king, enters the king's chambers to bring him a drink. Nehemiah is sad. He is sad for a reason. 142 years earlier, Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. But that temple had been rebuilt. 72 years before Nehemiah on this occasion, obviously that holy temple that was there was now being abused. Nehemiah had just learned that, and he was sad. It was abused by the local pagans and by the Jews that were there as well. Nehemiah wanted to do something about it. You know what he did first? He prayed before the king. He was not ashamed. I don't know how he prayed. I don't think he got on his knees. I don't think he lifted his hands to heaven and looked to God this way. But he prayed, probably quickly, because the king asked him why he was sad, and he wanted to give the right answer. Jerusalem was a thousand miles away, but he wanted to go there. He made three requests. Give me passage over your lands. A lot of people were living between there and Jerusalem. A lot of governors subject to Artaxerxes. I want a letter of passage. And then I want, I want you to commission Asaph the keeper of your vineyard, uh, the keeper of your forest, to give me lumber I need to build the temple. And I want you to give me permission to stay in Jerusalem and rebuild the walls of the city. I've always been perplexed a bit about the walls of the city. We have no record after after the uh, temple was built the second time of the walls being built back. But I cannot imagine Zerubbabel going there and not protecting the temple, building back the walls of Jerusalem. Perhaps he did. We have no record of their being destroyed after the temple was built again. So the temple, I suppose, if that's the case, was just wide open from the year 516 B.C. when it was occupied again under Zerubbabel's work until this time, 444 B.C., nobody had protected it. That's hard to believe, but perhaps it was the case. 
We need to understand that Artaxerxes was able to give this order that he go back. Remember the change of government here. Nebuchadnezzar was a governor or a head of a, an empire that he could do anything he wanted to. Make good decisions on the spot. Nobody questioned him. Artaxerxes was not that way. He worked with his people. I pointed out last week, and I want to repeat it, that Artaxerxes was over the Persian Empire. The Persians allowed each country they conquered to have its own militia with its own uniforms, doing its own thing. Now, when there was a national emergency, empire emergency, they were all in one force under his direction. They were all the time. But he sort of let them loose to do what they wanted to in their own country until there was an emergency, a need for him. Nebuchadnezzar would have never done that. The Persians were very liberal in this case. So when when Nehemiah says, I want to go back and rebuild the walls of the my city of Jerusalem, Artaxerxes never thought, well, he's going to rebel against me. I'm not going to let him do that. Artaxerxes said, you may go. Last week, we talked about what Nehemiah did when he got there. In chapter 2, verse 15, I went up in the night by the valley. I viewed the walls. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Was Nehemiah alone when he did that? No, he wasn't. He took his men with him that he had just brought from Persia. At least a few of those men that he just brought from Susa. What does it mean here? I had not yet told the Jews. Were they not Jews? Yes, but a special kind of Jew. The priests, nobles, officials, I didn't let them know. They were local people. In this case, there were three divisions of Jews in that city. There were the Jews that he just brought in. There were the Jews already there, brought in in 520 by Zerubbabel when he rebuilt the temple, and they stayed there. Then there were Jews, of course, who had been left there by Nebuchadnezzar because they either escaped or they were misfits, and he didn't want them. Three divisions here. He is working separate from those divisions right now and setting this thing up as he wants it set up by himself. He was a leader. He had his men around him. He knew these men. He had brought them from Susa. He knew what they would do, knew what their capabilities were. So he brought them there. And then he would sell this idea to the other men who were supposed to be on his side. He called them together in verse 17. You see the distress we're in, how that Jerusalem lies waste, its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem that we may longer be, no longer be a reproach. How did the people react to that? Have you ever had a leader, <clears throat> a big job to be done, said, okay, here's what you people need to do. Hit the trenches. Go. Well, that's dangerous. It's go. Your responsibility. Nehemiah wasn't doing that. He would say, okay, here's what we have to do. I'm in the trenches. Come and follow me. That's the kind of man you want. It's the kind of eldership we need. That's the kind of preachers we need, the kind of teachers we need. 
and who are out, men who are out there doing that and saying, come and follow me. I'll take the brunt of the battle. You back me up. Thank God Nehemiah was that kind of man. I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. Also of the king's words that, that he had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their works to this good work. They set their hands to this good work. They said, let us rise up and build. Nehemiah didn't say that. He'd already challenged them. Come, let us build the walls. They listened to him. They saw where he was. They knew who he was. And they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to the work. I was listening to a, watching a television program the other day. I do, I do that sometimes. And I was watching a preacher who was incidentally a good preacher in his denomination. I think he's a good man. But he made a statement. He was preaching on Joseph. As Brother Glenn did such a fine job this morning. He was talking about what a good man Joseph did. And then he said, God is not willing to use a man who is not willing to be used. And I thought for a moment, I said, that's all wrong. That's all wrong. God does use men who are not willing to be used. I remember at the burning bush, God said to Moses, I'm going to send you back to Pharaoh. And Moses said, oh, no, you're not either. That's kind of a shortcut, but you know the story. God, I ain't going back. You can send anybody you want to, but not me. And God said, shut up. That's big cove language, okay? That's not in the Bible. Just the essence of shut up. You are, you are going. You are going. Hmm. And then Pharaoh, terrible man, had God's people captive, slaves. He was not a good man. Did God use him? No, God doesn't use men except good men. Watch it. Exodus 10, now the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart. That means I've made his heart strong. So he takes the position he wants to take. And the hearts of his servants, that I might show these signs of mine before him. God said, I'm using Pharaoh to show who I am. God used Pharaoh. And then, have you ever thought about Jesus as he walks about with his 12? And I don't really know this happened, but it may be that they went out to the fig tree for breakfast on some mornings. And Jesus would say, Peter, what about giving thanks to the Father for these figs? Andrew, it's your time today. Judas, your time today. Well, he didn't know Judas was going to do what he did. He did, too. When he selected Judas, he knew who Judas was. He knew who would betray him from the beginning. God used Judas and his character to do what had to be done. So when I pray to God, God use me. I don't need to pray that because he's going to do that anyway. God is going to use me and he's going to use you. Here's what I pray. God use me in a way that is beneficial to me. I want to be on your side. I want you to look and say, James Andrews is the man I need for this because he will do what I want to be done. 
That might not always be the case. God might not always say that. But I try to live in such a way as to do that. Now, of course, when Nehemiah revealed the plan and Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem knew the plan, they were very, very unhappy. They were Samaritans or pagans at least. What is this thing you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? Uh, Nehemiah could have said, oh, I, I know I have a letter from the king. I know what he said, but he could change his mind anytime and he could wipe us off the face of the earth. Please don't tell the king what I'm doing. I'll work with you on this. Don't worry about it. I'm just a grasshopper in your sight. You're so much bigger than I am and better than I am. I can't take this. It's not exactly what Nehemiah said. Here are his words. The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Could you speak plainer? Nehemiah, I didn't quite understand that. What do you mean for them to understand? (laughs) He got his message across. He is not on our side. He has not been on our side. He is not going to be on our side. Here's a man we have to put down. We have to put Nehemiah down if we want to continue to control this city and this temple. Can you believe they were in control of the temple? Can you believe they were abusing the temple? Of course. When did Nehemiah decide he was going to take that chance of offending these people? When did he take the position that I'm going to do whatever it takes in Jerusalem to do God's will in guarding Jerusalem and guarding that temple and eventually getting Ezra in there to purify the temple and to make it usable again? He knew that when he left Susa. Remember that little guy named Daniel? He was captured in Jerusalem, taken to Babylon, made a eunuch, he and his friends, so they would serve only Nebuchadnezzar, never interested in anything else. Just served Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was going to get them right at first. The finest foods, the best entertainment, that's not there, but I'm sure it's, it's known. The best of everything, the best education. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's dainties. I'm not sure what those dainties were. I'm not sure they were probably forbidden by the Hebrews. But that's not the thing about it. Daniel said, the king will do nothing to gain my favor. The king will do nothing to gain my favor. I'm not his servant. I'm a servant of God. And yes, as a servant of God, I will serve him. When I can. But when I can't, I won't. 
And he said to the prince of the eunuchs, no, no, I don't want this fine food. Keep it away from me. Oh, you have to eat it. I mean, this, this is good food. It will help you get over your surgery. Come on, come on. You've got to grow. You've got to, you've got, you've got to, uh, you've got to become the kind of man Nebuchadnezzar wants you to be. Or you give us soup, just plain old vegetable soup. That's not what you need. Try it for 10 days. You know the story. He did and it worked. Daniel took a stand. And at the end of his life, near the end of his life, he was able to go into the royal banquet room and see a king whose knees were knocking together. And uh, I could say more, but it's not good for me to say that in a mixed audience. This king was in a bad way. And he was saying, <laughs> Daniel, can you read that? Can you? Oh, yes, king, that's about you, and I'll make it as, as easy for you as I can. That's not what he said. I know what it says. He told him, and he said, your father, really a grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, did not heed God, and God sent him out to graze with the oxen. And you have not learned anything. And this kingdom will be taken from you immediately. And that night, of course, the Medo-Persian soldiers were marching in the river, the dry river. They had drained it and were already in the city. And they came in and killed him. Daniel took a stand all the way through life. All good leaders take a stand. And bad leaders take a stand. Go back and read about some of the bad leaders. Germany, World War II. Can't imagine it. Had a bad leader. He was able to convince his whole country that they should do bad. And they did. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 3. The first character we meet here is Eliashib, the high priest. The high priest is not a man that Nehemiah had brought to Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, it just simply says, Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated and hung the doors. They built as far as the Tower of the Hundred, consecrated it, then as far as the Tower of Hanael. I want to pause here just a minute. I'm going to read this whole chapter. Just to prove to you I can pronounce these words. But uh, I want to stop right here to make a comment. I don't like to do this because I have you shuffling around all over the Bible. But this Elishab here is acting high priest. Uh, He is high priest. It says he is high priest in Jerusalem. He was there when Nehemiah got there. He has been active high priest. But turn over to Nehemiah 13. I want to show you something. Nehemiah 13, starting at verse 4. This is scary. 
Now before this, Elisha the priest, having authority over the storerooms of the house of God, was also allied with Tobiah. Remember Sanballat and Tobiah? The pagans? He had prepared for him a large room where previously they stored the grain offering, the frankincense, the articles, the tithes of grain, the new oil and wine, the new wine and oil, which were commanded to be given to the Levites and singers and gatekeepers of the offerings for the priest. Those rooms were in the temple. They were in the temple. They were, as a matter of fact, from the court of women, there was access to those rooms. During all this, I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Then after certain days, I obtained leave from the king, and I came to Jerusalem and discovered the evil that Elisha had done for Tobiah in preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. Tobiah lived in the temple. Rooms that God had prepared for the priests on duty. Whose idea was it? Well, I don't know whose idea it was. Who affected it? Elisha, the high priest. This is scary. So as the walls began to be built, we have Elisha, who incidentally is rebuilding with his priest the sheep gate, which is near a spring where the sacrificial sheep were washed, where they were marketed and washed and brought in through there to offer sacrifices. He was, he was at the most delicate gate in all of Jerusalem, the sheep gate. And he, of course, as high priest, was taking care of that. It was his job. And the other men who were working on it were priests. It was the holiest gate. Well, we'll go from there. Just, just that comment to start us off. Next to Elisha, the men of Jericho built. Next to them was Akur, the son of Emery built. Also the son of Hassanana built a fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Just notice the organization. This is, this is a long chapter. Notice the organization. Next to them was Mirmoth, son of Uriah, son of Coles, made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam, son of Berkida, the son of Mesezabel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, the son of Banana. Next to them, the Tekoites. Tekoa was Amos' hometown. That's a local area. That's people who were already there. They made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of their Lord. Got it? Here are some people, local people, that live there all their lives, probably. They are making repairs, but the the, uh, important men... The governor, etc., of that city, the mayor, and those men were not taking part in that. We 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 thought we thought everything was united here. It's not united. But they're working together. They're working sometimes, you know, I've gone away on campaigns in various countries, foreign countries, and found that many people in the church 
locally would participate, but sometimes the leaders would not. They'd stand back and wait and let somebody else do the work. How sad. Moreover, Jehoiada and Paseah and Meshulam, son of Besodeah, repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Next to them was Melatai, the Gibeonite, that's local, Jadon, the Moronathite, men of Gibeon, Mizpah, local, repaired the residence of the governor of the region beyond the river. Next to them, Izal, son of Hala, Harhiah, one of the goldsmiths made repairs. Also next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs, and they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall, that is, as far as the double wall. Next to them, Rephala, the son of Hur, leader of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. So there's a local man for sure. Next to them, Jedidiah, the son of Haramoth, made repairs in front of the house. Next to him, Hattish, the son of Hashabnia, made repairs. Malchijah, the son of Haram. Hashab, the son of Pehath Moab, repaired another section, as well as the towers of the ovens. Next to him was Shalom, son of Halohesh, leader of half the district of Jerusalem. He and his daughters made repairs. We have to speculate here, but I suppose Halahash didn't have any sons, but he had daughters who were inheritors, and they helped him here. Hunan, the inhabitants of Zenoa, repaired the valley gate. They built it, hung the doors with its bolts, and required a thousand cubits, and repaired a thousand cubits of wall as far as the refuge gate. Melchiah, the son of Rechab, leader of the districts of Bethhaxerim, repaired the refuse gate, refuse gate, built it and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Shalom, son of Colhoseth, leader of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He built it, covered it, hung its doors with bolts and bars, repaired the walls of the pool of Shelah, by the king's garden, as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, son of Asbuk, leader of half the district of Bethzur, that's another local, made repairs as far as the place in front of the tombs of David, to the man-made pool, and as far as the house of the mighty. After him, the Levites, under Rehum and son Bani, made repairs, The Levites did not usually do physical labor. They were uh, men that, well, they did physical labor with the the tabernacle and so forth, but not ordinary physical labor, but they did on this occasion. Next him, Hashabiah, the leader of half the district of Kela, made repairs for his district. After him, their brethren under Bavai, the son of Hinnadad, leader of the other half of the district of Caleb made repairs. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, 
repaired another section in front of the ascent to the armory at its buttress. After him, Baruch, the son of Zebai, carefully repaired the other section from the buttress to the house, to the door of the house of Elishab, the high priest. There he is. After him, Mirmoth, son of Uriah, son of Coles, repaired another section from the door of the house of Elishab to the end of the house of Elishab. There's your high priest again. After him, the priests of the men of the plain, the men of the plain, that is those of Jordan Valley probably made repairs. After him, Benjamin and Hashab made repairs opposite their house. After them, Azariah, son of Masiah, son of Ananiah, made repairs by his house. After him, Benwi, the son of Hanadad, repaired another section for the house of Azariah to the buttress, even as far as the corner. Incidentally, 2.4 miles altogether. 222 acres. Uh, excuse me. I believe that's right. Palel, the son of Uzziah, made repairs opposite the buttress. On the tower which projects from the king's upper house was by the court of the prison. After him, Padiah, son of Parush, made repairs. Moreover, the Nethanim, and these were not Jews at all, who dwelt in Awful, made repairs as far as the place in the front of the water gate toward the east and on the projecting tower. After them, the Tekoites repaired another section next to the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Awful. Beyond the horse gate, the priest made repairs. Priest working again, each in front of his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Emer, made repairs in front of his own house. After him, Shemai, the son of Shekinah, keeper of the east gate, made repairs. The son of Hanani, the son of Shelemai, and Haram, the sixth son of Zalaph, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, made repairs in front of his dwelling. After him, Malchiah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs as far as the house of the Nethanim, Nethanim, and of the servants of the front gate of Miphid, front of Miphid gate, and, and as far as the upper room of the corner, at the corner. Between the upper room at the corner, as far as the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and merchants made repairs. That's big. Must emphasize here that the gates they're talking about were not gates to a pasture. They were not a farmer's gate. The gate that uh, eventually was installed from the woman's court up to the court of the Israelites took 30 men to open and close it. These gates were big. These were made of wood, evidently, but they were big and they were cumbersome. And every time the sun set, the gates were closed. When the sun rose, they all of these gates, 10 of them mentioned here, that secured Jerusalem. 
that had to be done, and they're working on it diligently to get that job done. They're not a united force, as you see already. They don't all agree with Nehemiah. Nehemiah doesn't all agree with him, but they agree on one thing. Let's secure Jerusalem. I don't know why the high priest wanted to do this, because it would break up his access to everything. I mean, he could get there, but his friend Tobiah might have a problem. We'll get to that later. But here we go. We're getting the job done. Now, just a few more verses. I read faster than I thought I would, but we'll look just a little bit into chapter 4. It so happened when Sanballat heard that we were building a wall, that he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. That's the first attack. He mocked the Jews. He spoke to his brethren, and the army of Samaria said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? The whole truth is, the Jews are not going to do this. They think they are, but they're not. This is too big a job. The place is in too big a mess. It has been left here for us, and we're still going to have the advantage. And these people are a feeble people. What do these feeble Jews? Now, he might have been whistling by the graveyard. Excuse me, that means uh, making a lot of noise <clears throat> in order to cover up some inadequacies. But whatever the case was, he is trying to stop it. Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up, he will break it down. He will break down their stone wall. Why do you reckon he used the word fox? Why didn't he say dog, lion, bear, and so forth? Because foxes lived in places that were isolated. It's where they raised their families. Were foxes around old abandoned buildings and places. And he said, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down the stone wall. That is an exaggeration. Of course, he knew that was not the case. But he also was able to get people on his side. You know, I hear so many statements made today. I just get embarrassed when I listen to politicians talk. When they make so many stupid statements. That a five-year-old child could see through. And they do it anyway. And when they're countered with it, they do it again. I can't understand it. It's their only out. Now, when he said all that to Nehemiah, you can imagine that Nehemiah got real mad and said, let's go get him. But that was not Nehemiah. That's not what he said. He, uh, he knew something that all of us should learn. If you fight with a hog, both of you get muddy. One of my friends pointed out and and the hog likes it. That's how it is. He didn't want to fight with the pigs. He wanted to talk to God. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their heads. 
Give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not uncover their iniquity. Do not let their sins be blotted out before the you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Sometime last year, I was visiting a local congregation during a gospel meeting, and I was asked to lead the prayer. I did the same thing here at West Huntsville one time, and a lot of people didn't understand it. But I took a prayer out of my bedroom and brought it into the pulpit, and I said, God, please curse Vladimir Putin. The preacher got up and he said, I never heard anybody pray that somebody be cursed. I thought you have now. I had the same kind of reaction here when I used it. I still pray that prayer. Make no apology for it. He's he's terrible. He's hit Kiev again and cut off more power. He intended to do that. And I have friends over there that are freezing. Friends over there that can't get blankets. We've got them over there, but they don't know how to get them. I talked to some of those friends. Hospitals over there that are just about shut down. Because they cannot operate, barely keeping people alive. Curse Putin, I pray that God will. Why don't you pray for salvation? I've done that too. Do you think he's actually going to stand up and say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Will somebody please come and baptize me into Christ? I don't think so. Nehemiah didn't apologize. Do not cover their iniquity. Do not let their sins be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Well, that was in the Old Testament. Still factual. Still factual. How should we pray before the drag queens who are trying to change the sex of our children. What should we say when we talk to God about them? God bless those beautiful people. They're just, they're just misled. Lead me to them so I can preach the gospel of Christ to them because they certainly will change their ways. The devil's got a pretty good hold on them. I believe in the power of the gospel. I would like to teach them and preach to them. But if that doesn't work, there's a 99.99 chance that it won't. Just keep them away from my descendants, please God, and destroy them in any way you want to destroy them. Well, I guess I've preached enough. It's 11.04. The bell has not rung, but I'm going to stop it right here. We'll start at verse 6 of Nehemiah 4 next week. I do plan to be here. Santa Claus is uh, 
will visit my house early and I'll get my uh, Rolls Royce and all those things he's going to bring me. And I'm real excited about that. So if I don't come in, though, you'll say he's enjoying his Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for the blessings we have in Christ. Bless us with a Christian spirit and a good attitude. Bless us as we study Nehemiah, the great leader, and help us to become better followers and leaders because we see him. Thank you for this class, their attention, their love for you. We pray through Christ. Amen. Don't run in the hall. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.